Hello, welcome to the podcast program In Community and Company, a podcast program that examines how communities galvanize. I'm your host, Eric Sloss. The program attempts to investigate how neighborhoods, communities, and groups of concerned citizens galvanize or rally around various issues and challenges in neighborhoods around the country. Art and activism can activate and galvanize communities, and no better discuss how and why is with Darcy Trunzo, artist, activist, researcher who uses many disciplines to galvanize communities. Darcy has worked in performance, painting, and drawing to help communities tell complex narratives about themselves. Darcy, welcome. Hi. Darcy, you have such an eclectic background. Your work um, really flourished as a reaction to what was happening culturally in the city of Pittsburgh in the 90s and early 2000s. Can you tell me how that moment kind of propelled you to do the work that you're doing? Sure. Um, you know, it's kind of a, a long arc, and I, I'll keep it as brief as I can. But um, I'm going to fast forward through, you know, I, I had moved. I'm originally from Indiana County, you know, coal miner's daughter. And I had moved to Pittsburgh right out of high school to go to college. But left school, you know, uh, because my father, because of the closing of, of a lot of the mines, my father actually went back to school, and at the time, I was sort of in a place where I kind of didn't officially know where it was that I was going or what I was doing, and, and school was expensive. I was at Chatham College, and my father went back to school. So I really kind of just, you know, moved into the workforce, doing a lot of stuff from a lot of a lot of kitchen work. I, I did construction work, and uh, you know, whatever was available to me at the time. But it was really when I became an AmeriCorps member that I um, was really forced and, and sort of thrust headlong into um, how uh, neighborhood um, neighborhoods and um, communities, you know, and their shape kind of related back and forth between larger larger current events, but also to back to themselves again, I guess, um, and that may or may not make a lot of sense but it was through americorps and being put into a lot of pittsburgh's neighborhoods which i had already spent a fair amount of time in because of being in the workforce um but really connecting to communities in um in a way that we were working side by side with a lot of people in those communities um but at the time there was uh, this was predating the internet uh as an organizing tool it was just a very nascent thing um, and there were a lot of people working to connect around the issue of Fifth and Forbes downtown in Pittsburgh. And I met a lot of people involved in communities in the city in Pittsburgh who were sort of upset at the fact that we had a mayor who wanted to level half of downtown Pittsburgh using eminent domain as a tool. But in with that in mind, I was also living in East Liberty and that neighborhood of the city and there was a, there were a lot of things happening there culturally um, and still there are still things happening there culturally that are very important that relate back to erasure of of community and culture and those were things that at a very young age I became very interested in um, but also in, interested in community narrative like who's there who's not there whose stories get told who's don't um, and using art as a way of investigating those things because really um, 
for me, at least, I perceive art as a way of like figuring out and making sense of things that are going on around you. And whether you're doing it personally, and it becomes a very personal task and tool to make sense of any given problem that you have, uh, and you work it through your system, or to create collaborations where you're galvanizing interpersonal relationships, either between yourself and one other person, or between yourself and an entire community of people. So that's how I kind of got started, um, you know, and that's in a nutshell, and it seems a little bit nebulous, but that's, you know, the truth. Um, well, I don't it's, know, what else would you it's like such to know? I mean, well, well, no, I mean, <laughs> I think programmatically, I mean, I, the way you've put together, I mean, you were instrumental in the Sprout Fund mural program. Um, you, you've done TV work with the local PCTV station, uh, you're, uh, instrumental in movies on the mound. So programmatically, you're always putting together these spaces for people to come together and, and, um, not only be a part of artistic, artistic work, but, um, also understand it. Um, what, what, why, why all these very disciplines? What, what is it about your work that you can move through all these different disciplines? I think for myself, because I, you know, I, I eventually went to school and studied, took art courses and, and studied art, but I came up, you know, really spending a lot of time in museums. I always had you know, the job that I worked for money, but in that time I also worked for museums and arts organizations as, you know, a part-time job where I could have access because it was something from the time that I was a kid that provided me a lot of solace. You know, the first thing that you did when you were a kid who grew up in Indiana County, if you were a little bit different, you would gather up um, groups of kids and get into a car and it was a big deal to come to Pittsburgh and the things that you would look to to find things and ideas that reflected yourself back to you in a lot of ways was to look at look to the museum um interestingly enough and I'm going to mention it we used to go to also Jerry Weber's record store um that's when it was when I was young it was in Oakland so Oakland was a big big trip for for folks my age and so that becomes part of the storytelling you use whatever medium that you have um to figure things out for yourself whether it is um whether it's music whether it is uh, um traditional art like painting drawing those sorts of things or what or filmmaking you know i eventually you know moved to take courses at pittsburgh filmmakers which actually got its start on the, you know, right up the block from where Jerry's first store was. Um, and the Beehive was there, the University of Pittsburgh was there, and the museum was just a few blocks away. So it was sort of the locus of activity for a long time in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, but in general, I started to figure out, I, you know, I sort of treated it, and I still kind of do, it's like science fair project. If you encounter a problem, whether it's a community problem, whether it's they're going to... Uh, you know, tear our building down or uh, reroute, you know, uh, a street that's important to people or take something away that, that is important to communities, you use whatever means that you have to tell that story or to help engage people. And so that's where I think that that began. And I think a lot of it was just, you know, as you're a kid, if you don't necessarily have any formal art training, which I didn't at the time, uh, you, you, you kind of start putting stuff together like, like you did a, a kid with your friends in the room. Um, 
so that's that's kind of how like the the work in East Liberty with the mural program came about because there had been a community event called EFest where a number of youth in the community were engaged in getting a permitted wall for um, some street artists um, who were you know for for if you want to formalize the word graffiti. Um, they had been from all over the place, some from Pittsburgh, some all, some, you know, Canada. But they, the fact remains that that event was meant to teach kids how to engage civically, um, to get a permit to do something like that. And the mural, um, the mural in and of itself, it was on, on the Highland building in the East Liberty neighborhood. And it was, a fa- it was done through a community event. It was permitted. There was a big permit emblazoned on the wall. And within a number of days, um, the East Liberty Chamber of Commerce, that was largely Italian at the time um, and proudly you know, proclaimed Italian at the time, uh, called in a dirty favor with the Public Works Department in Pittsburgh and had them come in in the dark of night and buff the entire mural but do it poorly enough that you could still see the pentimento or like the actual mural bleed through underneath. And it just remained that way for a long time. And I went, it was one of the first civic meetings I actually went to. And I started to see how racism played itself out publicly in the community. The the chamber of commerce um, sort of publicly talked about the fact that they felt as though a graffiti style mural in, in that neighborhood was a middle finger to the Italian community. And yes, that's exactly what they said out loud. And that, you know, didn't sit well with me. And I think I was probably 23 or 24 at the time. And that sort of coincided with me being asked to sit on the Sprout uh, board, which at the time, Sprout is a now defunct um, small grants lending organization that had a board that was meant to sort of train young leaders in how to engage in philanthropic leadership and make decisions about you know what is important to communities and how it's going how it was going to move a Pittsburgh that was very much in transition forward and so I did a lot of work on um, arts-based economic development but also what what is important to communities and at the time I wanted to get people paid to to make art and that was important to me and I didn't necessarily fully consider myself an artist at the time but that work introduced me to a whole other community of people so that's kind of what got me started and you know moving forward it was sort of whatever problem or task that there was to sort of tackle i used whatever medium i could yeah i was just thinking that's kind of how i I moved forward just thinking about um your what i think is seminal work it was pretty groundbreaking uh at the time it was uh the art of news which is like a political satire local political satire but on tv i mean it was in around the time where t- television around the nation, like The Daily Show, they were starting to um, become popular, and um, but you use this performance piece of it. There's a, your your work is very performative. Um, what 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 are those elements? How did those elements find sure. your work? The Art of News came about. It was it was a local satirical news show that was real news. I mean, we were doing I. For my AmeriCorps service, I had sort of done a huge push to to get myself um, to have my service years be done at a cable access television station because I had always sort of envisioned myself wanting to work in maybe children's television or public television in some capacity. 
And so I wanted to learn television production, and I thought that this would be the way to do it. But I also was very interested in working with communities to train them in sort of citizen journalism, because even then I sort of understood that the power in storytelling was in the hands of the people who live there. And, um, you know, even when we had great journalists in the city of Pittsburgh, and there are still great journalists, but it's becoming much more difficult for them to do their job because of the way journalism has been structured over the last number of decades, um, whether it's due to paper ownership or whether it's due to distribution issues and, and money. Um, but uh, I was engaged with a group of artists who, um, you know, we did a lot of things on the side that were, were very performance-centered. Uh, our own work was kind of verging on the absurd, but I was really at that time very interested in um, a lot of things that had obviously come before me. I mean, there was, there was something I, I really loved was Glenn O'Brien's TV Party, which was a show that um, basically showed and documented the community of the sort of Lower East Side New York that people like to valorize, where a lot of people came together, like Fab Five Freddy and Jean-Michel Basquiat and, and Debbie Harry and Klaus Nomi and all of these artists, Kenny Sharp, all of these artists who were a part of making a New York that people have lionized over the last couple of decades, they were documenting their own stuff, and they were doing it in a really funny way in under the aegis of a of, of variety show. And that was something that I wanted to kind of replicate for the city of Pittsburgh because the city of Pittsburgh was undergoing such absurdist changes. But there was very much an art renaissance happening in the city at that time. And there were lots of really interesting, really funny people who were making music and art. And we wanted to find a way to document that, but also put the power in the hands of individuals by training them to do filming and editing and also story and writing. And so the art of news, we sort of bounced out of PCTV Channel 21, along with uh, Pittsburgh artist Keith Tassick and at the time a, a guy named Paul Weisel. And it became, it ran for a number of years. I mean, at first it took us forever to get our first few episodes out of the gate because editing was something that was not my strong suit. It was more of those sort of producing and getting people in order to be able to shoot those things but there were a lot of other people involved some dedicated writers and everybody sort of filled those roles in ways that they they all moved on to do other things kind of in that field or you know or it scratched an itch for them that they never thought that they would be able to uh scratch you know just in their daily lives but looking back on it it was an important document uh, of, of the city at the time so that again became the tool that I had to be able to engage people and get a lot of people together to be able to, you know, people people also want to have fun when they're engaging in these sorts of things and engaging in activism because we were really we were really sticking it to the, the that present administration and kind of the players and nobody was really safe and even arts organizations and how they were changing, uh, how neighborhoods were changing. We were really. Uh, showing up in places that people didn't expect. And we actually were able to get press passes to get into places that shocked us at the time. And, and But, you know, it, it ended up becoming an important document of those days. Well, your work um, naturally fits into you've had a successful career in the film industry doing locations for films. Is, um, is that work at PCTV such and your I can I can see those direct connections right you're doing mm -hmm. community building and you're 
working in neighborhoods, deep in neighborhoods, and understanding locations. And mm-hmm. um, how 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 did you get involved in film? Well, interestingly enough, um, so I had had moved at one point. I was working for a number of arts organizations, kind of simultaneously, and then had gotten a full-time job with the Pittsburgh Cultural Trust, but I also hadn't finished my undergrad at the time. I was doing programming for the Pittsburgh Cultural Trust, which was community engagement-related work, specifically with, you know, the 18 to 35 audience, which at the time, Pittsburgh was hemorrhaging young people like crazy, you know, either because there weren't young people being born or because they were just fleeing. There wasn't anything there. There wasn't salary increases and to be fair some of those changes still or some of those issues still exist within the city of pittsburgh and not just the city but also region writ large but everybody was throwing money at any sort of programming that related to the attraction and retention of the 18 to 35 demographic and i was doing a lot of programming surrounding that based on some of the things that you had mentioned and and described um but I decided it was time for me to try and go back to school, and I, I had never left uh, southwestern Pennsylvania, so I decided to go to Minnesota to go to school because it was one of the school, it was one of the sort of second tier river and lake impacted cities, which I had an interest in at the time, um, and study art and public policy, art and urban studies, and I minored in film. Um, but when I came back to the region, it was because we had experienced the economic collapse of. 08, which did a number on quite a few of us. And I came back to the region and was doing whatever I could, just like a lot of people. I was doing some nonprofit consulting around grant work. It just wasn't very satisfying, and I also needed health care. So, you know, I was working in hotels and kitchens, just like I had previously, and trying to figure out sort of what the next step was. And somewhat, there had been like the beginning of another film renaissance in the city of Pittsburgh, they needed someone to be able to go into neighborhoods and knock on doors and let them know that they were going to be filming in that neighborhood. And someone said, you know, my friend has done a ton of campaign work and worked in neighborhoods. I think that this would, this would be a good fit. So one thing, you know, one day on set of me knocking on doors and delivering flyers, begat the next that said, Oh, like you're pretty good at this. We like having you around you know one one thing led to another led to run of show and then i ended up finishing up that film and we all got rolled into the dark night rises which was just such a massive massive project for the city of pittsburgh to have a a christopher nolan film you know a film in, in a city the size of pittsburgh was you know quite an undertaking but that film directly related to me being brought into um that show that film but also a television show that was um, in development and preparing to start production in New York City, and I basically moved to the city of New York overnight to work in locations. And But again, my years of, of experience having worked in neighborhoods, having worked in campaigns, being unafraid to go into communities and introduce myself and, and also hear the needs of people in communities, but also understand architectural history and how those things relate to one another, all made complete sense. And it became a career move that, you know, uh, is always challenging, but is never uninteresting and related directly back to a lot of the things that I was already doing in the city. And while it wasn't activism-based, it did give me, over a decade, a base of knowledge about, you know, New York City and, and, and you know, sort of this gargantuan idea where each of the neighborhoods have their own life and, um, 
I really took to it and really enjoyed it and how, you know, it could be used to create not just cinematic worlds, but you start to understand their own history and, and their own communities and uh, enjoyed it very, very much. But it was information that I could take with me wherever I went and, and could relate it back to my art practice or could relate it back to storytelling in other interesting ways. So, yeah, that was it was a very much a direct line to being able to do that and it was a natural fit it wasn't it wasn't there were things that i had to learn about film as a as as in terms of large filmmaking like your hollywood style of filmmaking you know there's a process involved in that that is there's a learning curve but in terms of understanding what neighborhoods look like and how to relate back to the communities that you're you're filming in that was intuitive and that was because of the years that i years of work that i had done in pittsburgh and then and then minneapolis so yeah yeah absolutely it was it was a a natural and intuitive fit you have been a part of many artist residencies you are in residence at art house six in johnstown pennsylvania Mm -hmm. um tell me a little bit about that work um, well, uh, we can talk about, I, my first residency had, was, a, um, at a place in Minneapolis in 2018, I think, um, in Northeast Minneapolis. And that was facilitated by a woman named Anna Musaccio and a dear friend of mine who unfortunately has just, uh, passed away. Uh, he and I had been roommates, but he, he was a part of a studio in Northeast Minneapolis uh, um, that a lot of people, uh, one of the things that I've learned is that January is a really great month to do residencies because a lot of people kind of hunker down in the winter and don't do much, and especially in cold weather places. Uh, and I don't mind that because it facilitates getting a lot of work done. But I was invited to come to their studio in Minneapolis in January, which very few people want to be in Minneapolis in January and having lived there a number of years, it really didn't bother me. And I knew that there was work that I wanted to get done. And I learned through that program of, of six weeks in residency making just sort of open program art making how I work in, in, in terms of the basics of getting things done, like how you set up a studio, how you, how you get down to the business of making art in the traditional capital F, capital A way, fine art. But um, the the Art House 6 residency kind of came on the back of um, my coming, as the pandemic hit, I was actually working on a film in New York City and had to make some decisions about where I was going to ride out the pandemic and I was living in a house with a bunch of people that who I really loved and were creative themselves and you know I got along with it's just there were so many people living in the same house and we were still at a place where we were questioning you know what even is this virus and and the density within the house in the neighborhood I was living in which was Richwood Queens sort of added a level of risk and also you know, when you're living in, you know, it was a, it was a row house. It was it was sizable, but there were four or five of us living together. And to sort of remove some of that pressure from the place, I decided to come back to Pennsylvania because I had access to a place to live. And so I had managed to find myself access to a studio in Indiana County and started, you know, initially just making like sort of non-objective work. And then I thought, well, 
I, I want to use my camera the way that I was using it in in filmmaking, but in a, in a in a little bit different way. And I thought, well, I'll document what's going on in, because Appalachia is something that still was very important to me. Like the rural aspects of Appalachia, where I grew up, was very important to me, and and representation within Appalachia was very important to me. And in my mind, I was just sort of silly me thought I was just going to do some sort of like Dorothea Lang documentation of like people on their porches like during the pandemic and then <laughs> sort of we're all stuck in our homes and that was still very early in March and April well fast forward you know the murders of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd um, facilitated an entirely different kind of documentation and again the sort of loss of access to really good journalism and, and documentary storytelling about what is happening in communities outside of major cities um, was was crucial, and so there were a number of protests in my hometown in Indiana County that that were Black Lives Matter protests, and those were things that I, you know, was taking my camera out into public and documenting those things, and then eventually also, um, you know, Oathkeeper protests, and so there was this con- compare and contrast of like two different kinds of experiences happening in a community that had a known history of white supremacy. And so because I knew that the local newspapers weren't necessarily documenting these things, I was out documenting. And over time, I started engaging in this idea of wanting to tell both contemporary stories, but also relationships of convergent and divergent histories that were personal and collective. And who, again, it goes back to that, whose stories get to be told and whose stories get to be believed and archived and uh, that was sort of the root of what I was doing and after that experience and after having a show of not just the photographs but taking those photographs and turning them into large-scale paintings uh, that I do on archival paper with ink and when I say large-scale we're talking five six-foot paintings that are renderings of some of those images, uh, whether they're protests or whether they're white supremacists in downtown Indiana, um, making them larger than life so people have to take, um, perceive them in a different light. Um, I connected with Marcine Glover, actually via you, and did a preliminary residency in the summer of 2021 where I was continuing some of that storytelling because I was born in, I was born in Johnstown And so I wanted to research some of the back history of my family, but also some of the entertainment history and sort of the escapist history of Johnstown. There are a lot of um, movie stars from from Johnstown, but also movies that were made about Johnstown, like Slapshot or Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Danes, that very much had to do with the changing state of a community like this post uh, steel mill. So that's how I ended up here. And, um, you know, with time, I, there were some changes that took place. I was supposed to move to Pittsburgh, and, you know, we all understand that with the pandemic, sometimes plans shift. So I needed a place to be, and Marcine actually had some openings because of the Omicron variant. A lot, everybody's plans shifted, and the opportunity came to be that there would be space here in Art House 6 again in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And I pivoted very quickly to be able to spend several months here kind of expanding on some of those ideas, not the least of which was the history of tear gas 
and I'm still sort of mining that as a topic and I've done a lot of work because my grandmother also uh, worked at a tear gas factory in Indiana County and not a lot of people know that Indiana County was part of the origin story of uh, tear gas manufacturing and less lethal weapon manufacturing um, that they use not just uh, you know in police protests but also globally in people's uprisings. So it was a topic that became very interesting to me because I'm so close to and interested in labor history. So that's how I ended up here, and that's how I'm continuing some of that work. Um, and, you know, I, I'm going to be here for the next couple of months, uh, continuing to expand that body of work. Uh, Darcy, you work in uh, photography, visual arts, music, and film. Um, but storytelling is core, as as you as you mentioned today. Storytelling is core part of your core part of your work. It's fundamental in how you kind of see the world. And I'm happy to announce today that you yourself are going to create a podcast program um, called "You Never Know" um, with Darcy Trunzo. I like that. <laughs> it's uh, the way you describe it is a mini series of documentaries and interviews. Uh, they're they're kind of pulling from your background as a coal miner's daughter uh, in western Pennsylvania. Um, can you tell me more about the podcast? Well, and it's interesting. It's um, You never know. It's kind of a working title. Um, I think it's sort of, uh, you know, a lot of times people will ask me, you know, what is, what is this thing that you're doing going to be like or what is it going to end up as or what's it going to look like when you finish? And I'm like, oh, you never know. Um, <laughs> once you start, like, you know, whether it's an onion and you're peeling back the layers and you kind of get a sense of something, you, you peel back one layer, you're like, oh, I, 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 this presents a whole new set of topics and information for me. Um, maybe we'll go in this direction. Or, you know, you pick a road and you go one direction and you end up somewhere else. So I think being able to create um, sort of an omnibus series of podcasts that allow you to pick one or two topics and kind of explore them in like a three podcast or one or two podcast um, sense, you can go from topic to topic. And a lot of it has to do with history, art, culture, science. And that's um, where I'm hoping to go with it. And, you know, I, I am really grateful that you sort of were able to, you know, offer an opportunity to be able to do something like this. But yeah, I think that the kinds of work that I've done over the last couple of decades have um, enabled me very fortunately to meet some really, really amazing people and collaborate with a lot of really, really amazing people, um, both in ways that folks who are just sort of, um, um, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, whether, whether it's someone of prominence within a field or whether it is someone who is, um, working just as a part of uh, their daily lives in their community, but have a certain kind of ex expertise and perspective that you want to look at. And I think people like Studs Terkel were really, really good at mining that out. He had a very, very intense interest in the lives of people and, and the stories that they had to tell. And, and likewise, I'm very interested in that. And I kind of want to expand on that direction. And there are other documentary filmmakers and, and journalists that I'm really interested in kind of, you know, kind of following some of their lead and sort of putting all of that idea into a centrifuge and shaking it up and seeing what it, what it looks like. So I think that's the direction I'm going to go. I mean, I obviously want to continue to expand on, on um, the history of tear gas. I've been very fortunate in that I've been able to 
not only make the artwork about the topic, but I've been introduced to a couple of journalists and activists in the field of less lethal munitions who um, have really, really done excellent work in the different directions that those fields, whether it's the science of the field, whether it's the legality of um, non-lethal munitions, or whether they themselves have been impacted. Um, you know, in the last couple of years, there were a number of journalists who have been shot in the eye and blinded by tear gas canisters by police. I, you know, the and the journalism surrounding that, uh, there's a Pulitzer Fellow named Will Sands who I've become acquainted with and worked with you know, for the last six months to a year on this topic, and I want to continue to do some of that work. So that is a topic that you will guaranteed hear about, but I'm also interested in things that have to do with sort of feminist storytelling in, in art and music and culture, and those are things that I absolutely will mine out as well. 